Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by shopohiostate.com, the website for the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For all your Ohio State apparel needs, visit shopohiostate.com and minutemantickets.com. Theater tickets, concert tickets, sporting event tickets. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys with MinutemanTickets.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, Come on in. Hey, before we get into Buckeye Talk, a quick note. Two things. Um, we talk about this later in the podcast. Dwayne Haskins did say on Sunday evening, at, repeating what he actually had said Saturday night, that he will play in the Rose Bowl. So Stephen and I discussed that. Uh, while discussing it, we say we're going to tell you what's, what Dwayne Haskins said because he's going to get asked about it. He said he's playing in the Rose Bowl. We got a lot of questions about that. The second thing is, and this makes me very angry, and I apologize. I think we deleted about a twenty sec, a twenty, excuse me, minute chunk of conversation that, like, we were stopping and starting while we were recording because Urban Meyer was overdoing a TV show not far from us, and I think a part of our podcast got recorded over. So about fifty three minutes in. I'm going to make a reference to, hey, sorry, we're stopping and starting. And it turns out that we jumped from like a question about the coaches caring enough during the season to an answer about the eight-team playoff. And what we lost in there was uh, us doing impersonations of what Urban Meyer would sound like if he were Batman and a bunch more Washington shots. So you we, we, we recorded over us doing Urban Meyer as Batman and making Washington fun of Washington more. So I apologize for that. I, it took me like an hour. I was trying to find the lost audio, and I think I finally figured out what happened. So, um, you know, but there's still an hour of us, so you'll get used to it. Anyway, that's like the pre-intro intro, so get ready. Doug Marie sends Stephen Means sitting on the turf field on the indoor Woody Hayes Athletic Center thing. <laughs> We got three hours sleep. We got three hours sleep. We got three hours sleep. So listen, Ohio State's not in the playoff. Nobody is shocked by that. You guys have a million questions about that. Um, you have a million questions about, like, is Dwayne Haskins going to play in the Rose Bowl? You have a million questions about other stuff. We, we asked for questions after Ohio State's win over Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship on Saturday night. That was important. That was exciting. Um, but obviously the playoff is the thing that's at hand, and Ohio State is number six. So Steven and I are here sitting on the ground. We are in between the playoff announcement and when we expect to talk to Urban Meyer and some players about this. So we're in this gap. We'll get as much done as we can. And one thing is we're expecting to get Dwayne Haskins today. So I don't want us to spend a ton of time on is Dwayne Haskins going to play in the Rose Bowl? Because I think we're going to get an answer today. And so when we get that answer, I'll add it in at the beginning of the podcast and you'll already know. So I'm, Stephen and I aren't going to talk about that for half an hour, but let's get to that very quickly. And, and I'm sure there's a question about that, right, Stephen? Is there someone we want to shout out with a question? Or? Yeah, there's a couple of people. Donald Sicko, uh, at Donald Sicko, he was the first guy I saw that asked the question. A lot of people have been asking that question of whether he sits out. I've seen, is it a good way of, to get Martell in there to see what the future is going to look like and all that and, and such. So yeah, it's been a lot of questions of whether or not he'll play. And I'm Pretty, we're going to find out today. 
so here's my opinion on the situation in general. And by the way, as soon as the announcement came out, uh, Dwayne Haskins tweeted, I love L.A. So it's like, well, does he love it to like go and hang out and not play? That doesn't sound like it. I think it's different for quarterbacks. I know we've seen good players who are going to be high draft picks sit out. I just think it's a little different for a quarterback. And whether fair or not, I think it's possible that sitting out a game like that could have some negative impact on your draft stock when really the only reason you're doing something like that is because you think you're helping yourself for the NFL by avoiding injury. And I think it's fine in that moment. These players treat their teammates as brothers, but in a moment where the bowl is an exhibition game, I think it is completely reasonable to put your real family ahead of your football family. And that's all this is doing. It is not turning your back on your team. It is saying, I cannot risk this opportunity where I am in the position to set my family up for generations. How can I throw that away for an exhibition? I just think it's different for a quarterback. I think it's a that's a new bridge to cross to me for a guy who's probably going to be a Heisman finalist, just lit up an opponent on national TV. He's the face of this team. As good as Denzel Ward was, he wasn't the face of Ohio State football. As good as Christian McCaffrey was, he of course was the was the face of Stanford football, but he wasn't the quarterback. And Stephen, to me, that's just a little different. Do you think there's any distinction there, or do you think you know what? If Dwayne sat out, it would be pretty much the same as all these other guys who sat out. I think that it would. That's a good reason for why why he will play. I think if he doesn't play, it just opens up a whole new level to that conversation of pretty much how football players address situations. Because this is, like you said, this is a quarterback. This is your team leader. This is the face of your team. This is a guy where that type of decision could affect his draft stock. But at the same time, it could be seen as <coughs> this guy's already a businessman in the sense of he understands that 60 more minutes of football could ruin the next 15 years of my life. So I think what it does is it opens the conversation up on a different level that maybe a for a running back or a receiver or a cornerback, it wouldn't do that because those are skill positions, but they're not the skill position. Urban Meyer says it all the time that the quarterback is the most important position in football, maybe even in sports. And so I think for a quarterback to do that, especially a Heisman-level quarterback to do that, I think it just opens up another level to a conversation. All right, so again, we think we'll have an answer by the time you already listen to this. Let's move on. What else? Do we want to go playoff first, hardcore playoff stuff, or where do we, where do we go? I going? think let's start with just some overall th- play. It's kind of a playoff thing, but it's more just focused on Ohio State. OSU, Ron Conrad, at, at Ronnie Conrad, asked, OSU was 24-3 and three in the last two seasons with two Big Ten championships. Is that a failure or is it a success? You go first. My answer is very complicated. I think it's a success when you take the name off of it. But because of who we're talking about, and we're talking about a team who was literally sitting in the practice facility in Woody Hayes, and you don't – I mean, you see Big Ten banners, but it's a big banner, and all of the years are just on it. Meanwhile, all the national championship banners have their own big individual banners, and literally they have one that says 12-0 and undefeated season. So I think conference championships are great. Obviously, you want to win your conference, but this is Ohio State. You want to win national championships. And two years in a row, you're 24-3, and and yet you haven't had the opportunity to compete for a national championship. So I think it's a success when you look at it blindly, but then when you add Ohio State to it, it gets a little bit more failure I guess. I don't like the word failure. Yeah. I understand the question. I yeah. think failure is a very harsh word to use in this context. I prefer disappointment. That's what I was going to – yeah. So um, my threshold for this program, for the elite programs, is are you in the playoff discussion for the whole year? I've stated that before. Again, if you lose three of your first ten games, you're out. They're not even talking about you. You're thinking about are we going to the Capital One Bowl? They have not been that team ever, ever, under Urban Meyer. They have been in the discussion all year. My column after the announcement was that in the five years of the playoff, Ohio State made it twice. Here's Actually, I didn't even note this in the column. Here is what their seeds have been in the five years of the playoff era. Three, four, five, six, and seven. 
They were three the year they lost to Clemson, 31 nothing in the playoff. They were four the year they won the national championship. They were five last year. They were six this year. And probably with the best team they had in 2015 when they didn't make it, they were seventh, believe it or not. They were seventh that year. Being in the discussion is what matters. If they were not getting in the playoff and they weren't even part of the discussion, that's a different level. However, so I do not view this as – I view that as success. We're, we are in the mix. We are in the discussion in college football when it matters. That is a level of sustained success that must be acknowledged. However, it's kind of time for them to get back in it. This is three straight – well, it's not three straight years. It's, they haven't – they won the national championship in 2014, the first year of the playoff. They haven't won a playoff game since. Mm-hmm. They haven't scored a point in a playoff game since. They missed it three years, and they lost 31-0 the year they were in. They won the national championship. They have not scored a playoff point since. If you had said that to anybody around this program as they walked off the field after beating Oregon, they'd be shocked by that. Nobody in this program would view that as success. So I think that being in the conversation is, is a, the correct way to characterize what they need to be. It's time for them to get from the conversation to back in. They need to get back in this playoff, and they have that in their control. We're going to get a million questions about bias towards the Big Ten and all this stuff, non-conference schedules, whatever. If you don't lose to Purdue and you don't lose to Iowa, if you don't get blow, get your doors blown off by two middle-of-the-pack teams in your conference, you're in. So you know you can look for conspiracy theories, but there is very little question about what kept Ohio State out the past two years. It is time for Ohio State to have a season where they don't let – that happen they don't let the loss they can't afford happen and I also wrote last night they've got to look good every week they've got to look good every week so if they want to say well we won didn't we we won didn't we we beat Nebraska by five isn't that good enough no because it's not about whether it's good enough for fans or good enough for media it's good enough for the playoff committee the playoff committee didn't like the way you looked so Ohio State needs to come out and look like Ohio State. Whatever happens, the way they looked against Michigan, why didn't they look that way for 11 weeks, right? That's a reasonable question. Yes, they were 10-1. and 1. We get it in those first 11 weeks. They were 10-1. and 1. But why didn't you look like that more often? They have to answer that question because it's time for them to get back in. So I don't like the word failure. They're successful in that they're in the conversation but they are a disappointment in that since they won it all, they have not won. They have not won a game. They have not scored a point in this thing that everybody strives for. Aaron Schneider at A. Schneids 6. I think I'm saying that right. Was Georgia being ranked fifth just a nod from the committee? Or if Oklahoma had lost yesterday, would they still be in over Ohio State? So I just wrote a whole thing about this. You can go find it on Cleveland.com. I just put it up how the the – the discussion around Georgia was ridiculous. It's mostly an ESPN discussion. It's not a playoff committee discussion. I wrote in that thing, life is too short to get wrapped up in five versus six. It doesn't matter. Ohio State, whether they were five or six, was going to the Rose Bowl. So I would not get obsessed with it. Go go visit your family. Go roller skating. Go to McDonald's and get a large Rose. Diet Coke and drink 114 ounces for a dollar. Don't skating. get obsessed. I do think... The committee wasn't going to put in a two-loss non-champ over a one-loss conference champ. So if Oklahoma had lost to Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State had converted that two-point conversion a couple weeks ago and Oklahoma was out and this whole debate was only Georgia-Ohio State, I think even though Georgia – I think it's easier to vote Georgia ahead of Ohio State when you know it doesn't matter. And that's the way they go through this because they vote – one, two, three, and figure that out. Then they figure out four, five, six. So, like, I, I just I think it's easier. It's just easier. I think, to me, we don't know. My assumption is that if it was Georgia, Ohio State, Ohio State would have gotten in because all the people who voted for Oklahoma ahead of Georgia then would have voted for Ohio State ahead of Georgia because it seems like there were enough people in that room who were saying, I'm not going eye test. I'm going conference champ. I'm not going close loss to Bama. I'm going who only has one loss, right? So I just... I think it's throwing Georgia a bone a little bit, but I think the conversation changes greatly when that conversation honestly becomes only about the number four spot. I think that the problem is Georgia is ahead of Ohio State. I know. That's what I said. They're ahead of Ohio State, but if Oklahoma was out, do you think that they would still be ahead of Ohio State? 
No, but that's a. I don't like that. But the fact of the so the point, the whole point is, Oklahoma loses yesterday, and Ohio State wins. Oklahoma six, and Ohio State would be four. Right. No. 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 I yes. Either way. Yeah, I do. I I believe that. And I don't like. Okay, if that's the case, then put Georgia at six, and just put Ohio State and Oklahoma at four and five, depending on what happens on Saturday night. Putting Georgia at five throws this wrinkle in it of. But what's the wrinkle? I mean, it's just the people are talking about it. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, it does. I mean, Why? It, it, How does it matter? I think it matters because, like, what you're you just you're putting a list together of how these teams are ranked as far as being in the college football playoff. Number five is, for the most, is pretty much the the next the first <coughs> team out. And by putting a team at number five, you're saying by putting Georgia, a two loss Georgia team who lost in a SEC championship to the number one team, you're saying that. Had Oklahoma lost yesterday, Georgia would have been the first, would have been in. in the no, I'm saying that's not the case. So why you think it would have been? Why else would you put them at number five? Why else would matter. you put it? So it's just, oh, so you're saying so you it's just, bone. so everything's just BS after number four. For sure. That's, so what's the, and that goes, I said this earlier, I didn't say this on a podcast, but I'm going to say it now. If they're going to do that, then why rank it as a top 25? Just make it to four. Because it's just to talk about. Yeah. It's just but, to talk. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's I mean, people love to take a th- – it's like, why, do college fo- why does college football do things? Why does college football do things that people spend all year talking about? That's the reason. But it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Ohio State finished seventh in 2015. Stanford, two-loss Pac-12 champ Stanford was sixth. Ohio State was seventh. Do you care? Does anyone care? Does anyone reference that? It doesn't matter. Ohio State didn't make it. All anyone talks about in 2015 is Ohio State didn't make it. Doesn't matter if they were five, six, or seven. They didn't make it. God, I hate so this I, logic. I just think. I just think that's. I, I just. I, I'm not going to get wound up about it, but I do think. I do think. I believe in the idea that context affects your decision making process, and uh, and I think it would have affected. So that's that, that. That's the straight up question. You do you think? You think this opinion by the committee? Do you think that means? If Oklahoma had lost to Oklahoma State and had two losses going into yesterday, or if Oklahoma had lost to Texas, do you think Georgia would be four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that. I, 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 I guess I just view things differently. If you're going to rank teams, I'm going to go, okay, that's how you see them. And yeah. not just like, oh, we're sense. just going to throw people places because that's just stupid. That means you got 13 old guys in a room just like BSing it around. To me, it's, it's just like the same thing of like um, – if you're shooting, you're a basketball player. If you have a jump shot with the game on the line, like your your team is down one and you're going up for a jump shot with right. two seconds left, yeah. do you shoot that jump shot the exact same as a jump shot that you shoot with your team up by 20 with three seconds left? If you want to be good, you do because, you know, repetition. Herb Demarati doesn't want to be good. He doesn't. That's care. the problem. He just wants Repetition. to get. He wants to just eat a Snickers and be done. That's the problem. You don't. You do things the exact same way. So that way, when that moment, you do it the same way in the game where you're up by twenty. So that when that game where it's on the line where you're down by one, you do it. The, you already have it in your memory how to do it. Do you do think it. that's what most people do? I think anybody who's yeah, that's why they would be in the NBA. Herb Demarati's not in the NBA. He's just on the playoff committee. Yeah, he probably shouldn't be there. But <laughs> that's a whole I don't know discussion. Herb Demarati. I just Me think it's a funny name. And I might even be pronouncing it wrong. All right, next question. All right. Uh, Chris at C underscore Keck. It's an interesting one. Is is the new standard Oish, Ohio State, or the Big Ten champ have to go undefeated to get in? Nope. You sure? Don't lose by 29 is the standard. Well, that's fair. Look good. No, we're, we're out of the undefeated standard. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I'm here. I'm here for all this, right? Yeah. You can't pretend that, like, there's no reason to this. Two weeks ago, most a lot of Ohio State fans didn't <laughs> want to get in because you didn't think they were good enough. So you know who else was thinking that? The playoff committee. And the playoff committee, if you've completely changed your mind as an Ohio State fan, the committee didn't completely change their mind. They obviously respect Ohio State more, but they did not flip the script on Ohio State. So you can't lose by 29, beat Maryland by one, beat Nebraska by five, be ahead of Michigan State nine to six going into into the fourth quarter, and then say, oh, what are we supposed to do, go undefeated? It's like, no. You're supposed to lose closer and look better when you win. And that's it. I mean, like, it's the same thing that cropped up with Ohio State both years. But, uh, you know, we just, we can't, we can't be blind to the realities. Nobody, uh, nobody questions what the deal is with Ohio State. 
you're just it's just degrees. Okay, well, everyone knows that the loss to Purdue was bad. How bad was it? Everyone knows the win over Michigan was good. How good was it? So, you know, you're Ohio State fans. You're smart. You know the deal. But no, that is no. And there's no bias. Um, we, we'll get into more stuff. There, uh, there might be, uh, I don't think bias is the right word. I think there might be a situation that is negatively affecting Ohio State. But we'll get to that, I'm sure, in a question. Do you think that's the threshold? Undefeated or bust? Yeah, at this point, I think so. I don't, I think. Why? Well, they've had one loss the for the last two years. Yeah, but they didn't have a loss. They had blowout losses that the committee talked about all the time, how bad they were. We have to uh, agree to live in a world where, like, not so all the, losses are I'll, Okay, 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 okay. I'll say this then. They have to, if they're going to have a loss, it's got to be, like, to it. They, it's only, like, two teams they could lose to, and they would have to be within, like, ten points. Okay. That's what it is. That's not like, undefeated. No. Yeah. Okay, but if, it's, if, the, if the loss happens in, like, week two... Then they can like recover from that, but if it, the loss came to like Michigan at the end of the season, they're probably not going to get in. I will say, I always thought in the playoff, I thought there um, there reached a point where if you had a game against a good team and a game against a bad team, and you were going to go one and one, I thought you were better off beating the good team and losing to the bad team because you wanted good wins on your resume. I'm not, this year. I'm not sure I think that anymore. I think I thought that for the first three years. Now I think I might think lose to the good team, beat the bad team, and then when you lose to the good team, like don't lose by 30, but lose close because all of a sudden they have reached a point where losses, the loss really matters. And I thought early on they were at a point where the loss didn't matter nearly as much as the wins. When Ohio State got in in 2016, it was because they had collected a lot of really good wins because the Big Ten was good that year and their schedule was tough, and they beat Oklahoma and Wisconsin and, and all these teams. Um, now, so now, I don't know. I don't know. Now it's become you have to win all the games that you're supposed to win. Yeah. So that way that leaves maybe one or two games in there where, like, it's a toss-up and you can lose one of those games. I mean, Oklahoma didn't have great wins. They did not. I mean, the Big 12 is not great. They didn't have great wins. But their loss was good. You know, Texas is a decent team, and it was close. So, um, I, you know, we can debate all day and come to no solution about how much how much the losses should be weighed against the best wins and the evaluation. I think they've, the committee's lost its way a little bit in that decision-making, but we, we clearly understand that's the thinking. So it, it's not about does Ohio State have to go undefeated. It's about don't lose by 29 to a team that's 500. Okay. Another playoff question, but it's also around Haskins. Which one would be more deserved, a, an Ohio State playoff spot or a Heisman Trophy for Haskins? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. What's your answer? I'd say the Heisman Trophy for Haskins. And the reason why, like, those stats are ridiculous. And I think that's the best, like, game I've ever seen a college quarterback put together, like, in person. <coughs> Ohio, I also saw some games where Ohio State, as a team, did not look like a team that was going to be good enough to play in the playoff. While there has been maybe a couple of throws where you're like, Eh, with Haskins, but for the majority, 90%, nine times out of 10, he's going to do something that's Heisman worthy. And then there's that one time where he does it and it usually just ends up in an incompletion. And like every so often it ends up in an interception. And that's usually just because of like, like yesterday he had an interception, but it wasn't like he just threw a bad pass. It was, it just looked like it was a bad miscommunication between him and the receiver. So I'll take the guy who nine times out of 10, he's going to do something spectacular versus a team where it's, 50, 50, where it's the third quarter against a team that they have no business being in the game with, and you're going, so how's they going to lose this game? Ohio State did something wrong this year. I don't think Dwayne Haskins did anything wrong. I think I agree with you. Like it's like, well, what, it's like, well, what did, what, where did Dwayne Haskins fall short? It's like maybe the Penn State game it didn't look great, but they found a way to win at the end, and so like, and then he ripped up everybody else. And even the Nebraska game, that was more just because they focused more on the running game, so he got neglected for a week. Yeah. I don't think he did anything wrong. Here's, and maybe we'll get to this. I'm probably going to write about this this week. Um, as it turns out now, I think maybe, and I've mentioned this before, that I thought the scandal, the investigation and the Urban Meyer being out for a month while figuring out what was going to happen. I, I said previously, whether it was last week, a couple weeks ago, that I thought that took away Dwayne Haskins' hype, that mm -hmm. people would have been talking about him much more, except that the only thing people were talking about nationally when it came to Ohio State was the Zach Smith-Urban Meyer situation. 
I think it's possible the way this weekend developed, I think that might have cost Dwayne Haskins the Heisman. Because he never got the runway start that two, like, two through a great pass, and now he's the Heisman favorite. Well, Dwayne Haskins played terrific against Michigan when his team absolutely needed him to play well against Michigan. And then all that happens and all that kind of goes away because now the focus is whether or not Urban Meyer is going to be the coach. People, um, I think some, I think a lot of people nationally felt like he came out of nowhere, whereas anybody who knew anything about Ohio State knew what was coming with this guy. And I think if that had been communicated to a greater deal, because again, my policy on most of this stuff is that voters are idiots. There's more voters in the Heisman than there are like in the AP poll. There's like 800 instead of 60. So there's 800 idiots instead of 60 idiots. And again, I'm an idiot in both of them. So I'm talking about myself, but all this stuff influences you. And there's a bunch of old guys sitting on couches who are like, I don't even know who this Dwayne Haskins fellow <laughs> was. And it's like, well, you know what? Maybe if, if there had been some coverage and some stories and some talk about him early in the season, um, when he threw for 499 yards in the Big Ten Championship. That wouldn't have been a surprise to people. You would have been more accepting of it. You would have been more prepped for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but because I think to some people, this is, wow, that guy ripped up Michigan and he went crazy in the Big Ten Championship. It's like, uh, he, he ripped up Oklahoma yeah. State too. And yeah. And on yeah, down he the did. list. He ripped He's up been everybody. doing that basically all year and like you didn't know about it because you didn't know you were supposed to be paying attention to Dwayne Haskins. So that leads into our one funny question and then we're going to like get a little more serious. At Douglas D- Delo, Doug Delillo. Delillo. Uh, he has a question every week. Okay. How do you support any sport <laughs> where the champion is decided by old guys in a meeting room somewhere? Because it's better than it used to be. I mean... It, is it, it better than the robot? Well, I mean, the computers that... So, I mean, I, I can go on a rant. Do, I, do people want me to rant about this stuff? A little bit. Why not? We got a month. So, listen. So for decades, teams just played the bowl they were supposed to play in. And then a bunch of pollsters who didn't even have, like, games weren't even on TV, just decided sitting, one guy sitting in New Jersey and another guy sitting in California, another guy sitting in Texas, decided, well, let's give this team the number one ranking. All those old rankings that everyone claims and all the schools claim, they're ridiculous. You have no way of knowing if that's right at all. It's just a guess by biased people who didn't have any information. So then we got to the point with the BCS where we were now relying on pollsters who spent eight seconds on their ballot and were biased and stupid. And again, I'm a biased, stupid pollster. And computer formulas that nobody ever double-checked because we never knew what the formula was. There could have been errors in there that nobody ever knew about. So it was two-thirds on polls, idiots, one-third on computers, unreliable. So we got away from that. The best thing is they expanded it from two to four. If this was the BCS, the national championship would be... Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame would be undefeated and left out. That is a bad scenario. We have eliminated the chance for a Power 5 undefeated team to get left out because you're never going to have five undefeated teams. That is progress. If Alabama had lost to Georgia yesterday, the national championship game would be Clemson and Notre Dame, and nobody in America would think those were the two best teams. So you've eliminated that. You've eliminated an over-reliance on undefeated teams, and you've also eliminated the idea of going undefeated and not getting in. Those were two. Those were the two biggest problems with the BCS. So that's great progress. Could it be better? Of course it could be better. But you don't want it on pollsters. You do not want it on pollsters. You have to rely. If you're going to rely on people, you have to rely on people who put them some freaking effort. And as a pollster, I'm telling you, people don't put in the effort. So if you wanted to do something else to make this committee better, I think you could. But the fact that you have people in a room who are communicating with each other, not sitting on other sides of the country and filling out a ballot independently that they put no thought into, that is, this is so much better than that, you, you don't even realize it. Yes, it could be better. I'd be curious how people think specifically it could be better. Maybe it's, I mean, it's the people on the committee, five old football coaches on this committee. I hate the five old football coaches sitting in a room. They need a more, a wider variety of thought. It's ADs and football coaches. Gene Smith shouldn't be in there. So there's a lot of a lot of issues, I think, with the 13 people. But I think the idea of 13 people in a room is actually pretty good. I think the problems people have are with the 13, who those 13 people are. I am still, I'm going to be a advocate for this for the rest of my life. The committee should be filled up of the athletic directors of the guy, of the teams who finished last in their conference. Every conference, it doesn't matter whether it's a mid-major or a major. The last 
Whoever finished in last place, that school's AD should be in the committee for the next year. Movie That's prize. how they should do it. Yeah. Pat Hobbs, Rutgers went 0 and 9 in the Big Ten next year. You're flying to Texas seven Ooh. times next year. Because you're not going to flip around and go 9 and 0. Like, this is not going to happen. It's very silly that two of the ADs on this committee were Gene Smith and Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma AD. This came down in a lot of ways to Ohio State and Oklahoma. And they couldn't be in the room to it's, advocate it's for their insane. own. It's It's absolutely positively insane. I'm not saying they should be in the room. I'm agreeing with you that anybody who's the AD of a decent football program should not be part of this. And I wrote this last year, so I'm not going to write it again. Gene Smith made a mistake by taking this role because I don't think he's hurting Ohio State per se, but he's eliminating the chance to help them, which is then hurting them. Yeah, if you're not helping, you're hurting. And that if if any of the other 13 Big Ten ADs were in there, they would have been in there making a case for Ohio State. And instead... There was not anybody from the Big Ten making a case for Ohio State. And when you have five old football coaches there who, again, are just looking for a Snickers and aren't sure how to get email, making a case matters. And and Gene Smith, by being on the committee, there's no bonus. He can't help Ohio State at all. So there's no plus for Ohio State for him to be on it. There's only a negative. And he's been on for two years, and in both years, Ohio State was in the mix and finished outside of the mix. And it's a mistake for him to be on this. If I were him, I don't know how long his tenure is. I'll double check. I'd quit. I'd say to the committee, I apologize. I did not realize in the moment that my role on this committee could potentially negatively affect my own university. My first priority must be Ohio State and this athletic program. I believe in the integrity and the job that this committee does. But I also believe that the Big Ten not having a representative for the most important discussion of the year is a negative for our school and for our conference. Therefore, I respectfully resign. Thank you, Gene Smith. That was well put. That was beautiful, actually. I'll write it. I'll just write a resignation. People love fake letters. It's like a, a device for writing. So I'll write a fake Gene Smith resignation that will get 40,000 views. Beautiful. All right. E. Bronstein asks, Thoughts on how Ryan Day called this game, speaking about the Big Ten Championship game. And then also, your guess over or under 80.5 penalty yards in the bowl bowl game. (coughs) I don't know. Under? Does Washington Washington do anything? Is Washington going to gain more than 100 yards? Are we we combining this? Because, like, I mean, Ohio State might get it, but that's just because they play very aggressively. Yeah. I mean, I don't think think Northwestern had a single penalty – Last night, they're nerds, man. They're smart. They don't right. make penalties. Right. Well, how, at one point, I looked up at the screen and it said Ohio State was six penalties for sixty yards, and Northwestern was zero for zero. So, I mean, I'll take the over on that. But as far as Ryan Day calling that game, I mean, I thought it was a solid game. But he's also got a demigod throwing the football. So, um, I thought they called it well. I thought they found holes in that zone all night. I thought they had some crossers there. They had some things to try to that looked similar to Michigan. They also had a lot of stuff that was a little bit different than Michigan. I mean, Dwayne had – I thought the offensive line didn't play as well because it played great. It played almost a perfect game against Michigan. They did not play a perfect game against Northwestern. I'll say this as well. Dwayne Haskins was great last night, but he definitely had some moments where it was like he was missing throws. Like, K.J. Hill was open a lot last night, and it seemed like – I don't know if it's just because where we yeah, saw not, the game. Not, not missing throws, but not making – throwing yeah, just, to the wrong yeah, guy literally just the not, Yeah, just yeah. literally not throwing yeah. the ball towards people. And – he made some great plays with his feet to get to, you know, save a little bit of time for the receivers to get open. But KJ Hill was open a lot last night. He only finished with one catch. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. After I wrote a story about him, about he how he is K to the M F and J Hill. He has one catch. Yeah, it always sucks when you write a story on somebody and then they do absolutely nothing in the game because it kind of kills your story a little bit. Insulted. I love KJ Hill though. So no, no, he was he was open a lot, but he didn't get. I don't. I don't know if that was how. Haskins was reading the zone or if he just didn't see him but like he wasn't perfect but I thought yeah the offensive line at one point and it was Haskins made some plays he shouldn't have had to make early on in that game I guess and part of the question I think that the reason people are asking this is and I saw this during the game my tailbone is falling asleep oh my god is Ohio State threw 41 passes and ran the ball 46 times they averaged 12.2 yards per um, per attempt and 2.3 yards per carry. J.K. Dobbins ran it 17 times for 68. Mike Weber 17 times for 51. Dobbins four-yard average. Weber three-yard average. Neither of them really got going. The longest run of the game for Ohio State was 11 yards. Uh, and I saw people. People wanted to like fire Ryan Day and Urban Meyer and throw them in a fire pit because they weren't calling enough passes. 
So it's about a 50-50 split, 41 passes, 46 runs. Um, I think you have to give some, you have to acknowledge the idea of like you do things to set up other things. And so if they're running to try to set up stuff, I know someone was like, Ohio State just called six straight runs, set the building on fire. Um, I did not think like it was an egregiously bad game plan. And I know the implication that people have is like, well, they only scored 45. If they would have thrown it more, they could have scored 59 or 66 and that would have been better, and maybe they'd be in the playoff. Um, I'm telling you, I don't no. think there's a number they could have put up. I don't think there's a number they could have put up that was going to get them past Oklahoma. So, again, I get it, but I just there's a lot of things to worry about in the world. If, if your main contention, if the thing you're complaining about with Ohio State right now is that Dwayne Haskins threw for 499 yards, and yet Ohio State didn't throw the ball enough that you think he should have thrown for 600, I don't know what to tell you. Dude had a record-breaking day, and you're saying he didn't break break the record well enough. I mean, like that's what you're saying. The passing game was great. It doesn't mean you can pass every play. So, and and if you thought they scored 45 and should have scored more, okay, maybe, maybe it cost them a touchdown or two. I'm just telling you that that's not what kept them out of the playoff. It's not a difference maker. So don't get wound up about it. I think the offensive play calling has been pretty good this year. Dwayne Haskins has been excellent. Enjoy that. Okay. Um, WDK Cards ask, will Washington be the worst bowl opponent for OSU since Oklahoma State in 2004? Yes, I continue to deny that the existence of the 2011 season. But that was even interesting because, like, what does worst mean? I mean, we're talking about, like, ability on the field, but also interesting. Ohio State that year played Florida. Urban Meyer's coming to coach Ohio State. Ohio State's in the Gator Bowl. They're playing Florida. That's more interesting to Washington than Wisconsin Northwest with the noodle arm of the Northwest. So the only con- the only interesting part of these two teams is that they were the- both made the playoff two years ago and they both got their doors blown off. That this is like if, if I said if Alabama Clemson is the national title game, because the weird thing is going to be the-, the-, the playoff semifinals are on December 29th, which are three days before the Rose Bowl on the January 1st. And I can't remember when the national championship game is, but we're going to know who the national championship game is when the Rose Bowl is played. If it's Bama-Clemson, this is going to be like the undercard. It's like, oh, two years ago, Bama-Clemson was the championship, and Ohio State and Washington were the teams that got whacked on the way there for, for the Tide and the Tigers. Uh, I think it's awful. And, and I'm going to spend the next month disrespecting Washington because I don't care because they won the Pac-12 championship game 10-3. to Washington State would have been great. Utah would have been interesting because Urban used to coach there. Um, I'm going to write about... Ohio State, I'm going to write about Urban coaching in his first Rose Bowl. I am not going to write a single word about Washington and what they do. If you read Cleveland.com, you will not know this name of a single Washington player before the Rose Bowl. If you want to figure out who plays for Washington, go read the the Seattle paper. Or just go look at the Ross. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched that Washington-Utah game, and that was was (sighs) just a bad football game, to be honest with you. It seemed like trying to figure out who was, like, the least worst of two bad teams. Pac-12 stinks. So, like, the Pac-12 right now, Clay Helton at USC is probably not the right guy. They're bringing him back. They had a bad year. UCLA hired Chip Kelly. They're trying to get it back. Oregon doesn't have Chip Kelly anymore. Mario Cristobal, I mean, maybe he'll get it going there. But the Pac-12 has to get its its elite, top-tier programs back rolling again. And I know Chris Peterson at Washington is really good. And I know they made the playoff two years ago. But I don't care because they're boring. And bowls are supposed to be fun. And there's going to be no part of the opponent that is fun. They are boring. Put it here. This is your bulletin. Maybe this is the only way I can make Washington interesting. If anybody out there knows anyone who plays for Washington, if if a Washington fan is listening to this, tweet this to Chris Peterson. Maybe it's bulletin board material that will give me a reason to write more than five words about the Washington Wizards or whatever their name is before this bowl game. Washington is boring. Washington is boring, and Ohio State deserves a better opponent. Not the state of Washington. As in, like, that's the Washington school we're talking about. Washington what? Washington University of St. Louis? George Washington? I don't even know which Washington it is. Washington is boring. Ohio State. Here, write the quote. Washington is boring. Ohio State deserves a better opponent. The Rose Bowl is sullied by the presence of the Washington Oh, my Huskies. God. Put it on a bulletin board you and add them. some jazz to this thing. College football, it's not the playoff. It's not the playoff. It's not the playoff. We should still be able to enjoy ourselves. It's supposed to be fun. And a team that won the Pac-12 championship game 10-3 to Shame is not on you. fun. Bulletin board. All right. 
All right. Big picture question from at LL underscore cool underscore A. I'm not saying what your real name is because I'm grown now. Big picture question. How can Martell follow up on this year's performance and how explosive can next year's offense be under his leadership? So they're going to go. Um, they're going to go back. They're going to go back. Go back. So it's going to be like you saw before. Now, I know there's a question out there, too, about like the Matthew Baldwin, Tate Martell quarterback battle. And uh, shouldn't we maybe expect that Matthew Baldwin could beat out Tate Martell <clears throat> next year? Um, Steven talked to Tate Martell after the Big Ten Championship game. They have an open locker room. It's a great time to get to talk to these guys that we never get to talk to. I did do that. He talked to Tate. I talked to Matthew Baldwin. We know Tate. I talked to Matthew Baldwin, and he was saying, like, yeah, I'm much more of a Dwayne Haskins-style player. So he has seen what this offense could look like. But I think if you are making an assumption that, like, hey, they did this with Dwayne, so this is what they want to do all the time now, you've seen Dwayne Haskins, right? Like, Urban Meyer wants to do this when he has Dwayne Haskins. I don't think this means that this is what Urban Meyer necessarily wants to do every year. He'd like to go recruit the next Dwayne Haskins, I'll tell you that. I have questions about whether Matthew Baldwin is... Actually, I don't have questions. I don't think Matthew Baldwin is the next Dwayne Haskins. Other people on this beat are much higher on him. He was going to go to Colorado State before Ryan Day went and got him. He went to Lake Travis, which is the same high school that uh, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State receiver who's coming in, went to. It's the same high school that Baker Mayfield went to. So this is a legacy of like quarterbacks that nobody believes in. So maybe Matthew Baldwin's Baker Mayfield, but just because you went to the same school as a guy doesn't mean you're the same guy. So I think Tate's going to win the job next year. I think they're going to run zone read. I think they're going to get Demario McCall more involved. I think Dobbins, I think Weber's gone. Just makes sense for him to be gone. I think it's going to be a Dobbins, McCall, Tate Martell show. But also, by the way, he's not a wildcat quarterback. He's a real quarterback. He threw the ball all over the place at Bishop Borman in high school. Tate can throw. We just haven't seen it. Um, so he can't throw like Dwayne because nobody can throw like Dwayne. But I think this offense is going to look very familiar next year. I think it'll be good. The defense must be better, though, because they're not going to drop 62 on Michigan. That's not the style of team they're going to have next year. That was a Dwayne Haskins one-hit wonder. I hope you enjoyed it. I think for Baldwin to say he's a Haskins-style quarterback just means he's more of a pocket passer. Absolutely. It does not mean that he is as good as Haskins. Here's one thing we have to understand, fans. When you get compared to somebody, that's not saying you're as good as them. That just says you play the way they, 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 they approach the game the same way that that other person approaches the game. That is the case with Baldwin. So if for some random reason Baldwin wins the job and we go, hey, he plays like Haskins does. That is not us saying he's as good as Dwayne Haskins. That's not happening again, as Doug just said. That is a one, he's the one and done of college football, ladies and gentlemen. I, I say all that to say this. Martell's probably going to be a starting quarterback. And what we're going to see is a lot more of what they had with JT Barrett and with Braxton Miller. Where, yeah, he can throw the football. He was still a four-star recruit coming out of the best high school. Top in the 50 kid. Yeah, coming out of the best high school in the country. They won back-to-back national championships. Like they, Tate Martell's not a scrub here. He's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not Dwayne Haskins with the arm. But Dwayne Haskins isn't Martell with the legs. So I think we're going to see a lot more of what Urban Meyer likes to do. And you're going to have to get used to the fact that he's going to have some games where he, he might throw 25 passes, but he's only, only going to complete like 15 of them. It's going to be for like a buck 50. But he's also going to have like 100 plus yards on the ground with a couple touchdowns. So, I mean, the only thing I could add to that is Washington is ruining college football and should resign <laughs> its Rose Bowl spot and give it to Washington State. Okay. Next question. Okay. I can't find it, but I know I'm sorry, person. Um, that I can't find your question again, but I thought it was a really good question. And, um, it based around the playoff. If Alabama as the number one seed could pick any of the other, the three teams in it right now to play in the first round, who would they want to play? Notre Dame. And why? Because Notre Dame stinks. So <laughs> here's what we're learning today. Notre Dame sucks. And really the only reason they're in it is because they somehow found a way to have a very favorable schedule where all they had to do was not lose. And. Nobody wants to watch Washington play, but we're going to go do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay living in the world of, like, well, do I think Georgia would beat Notre Dame? Yeah, but Notre Dame went undefeated. Listen, Notre Dame had USC on the schedule. USC went 5-7. and seven. USC was down USC. They had Florida State on the schedule. Florida State went, like, what did I, I don't even know Florida State went. 4-8, and 3-9. and nine. Yeah. Um, They got, you know, like, Syracuse wound up being, like, the toughest game on their schedule. They had Stanford on the schedule. Stanford was not very good this year. Not, not as good as, as Stanford has been. So, 
you know, I mean, it's, it's not like they scheduled cupcakes. It's just that that's sort of the way um, things worked out. They got Michigan in week one before Michigan kind of got its crap together, and Michigan still almost won that game and probably should have won that game. If, it, if the game was 10 minutes longer, Michigan would have won. So, um, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but I think everybody would acknowledge Mike But He's old, guys. I'm just going to give this guy so bony. I'm going to give this guy his credit. Another Russian bot, another Russian bot, too. Ask that question. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to give you that credit. Um, you don't want to play Kyler, and you don't want to play Trevor no, Lawrence, no, no. and you don't want to play that Clemson defensive line, but I don't know that Notre Dame has anything that really scares you. Okay, let's put this in Ohio State's world. They're the number one team in the country right now. Who would they want to play of the four? Ohio State? <gasps> Notre Dame. What do you mean? Notre Dame stinks for everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. But Ohio call- State, I mean, like, as bad as Ohio State's, it's like I don't know enough about the other teams. I actually think I don't know that Ohio State, man. <laughs> Why does they I think you'd fear an explosive offense more than anything because it's like, man, I, I'm, I think if you were Ohio State, you'd be worried that, like, Oklahoma's going to drop something on you against this defense that gives up big plays that, like, you can't compete with, even with Dwayne. Um, and, like, I think Alabama is less likely to do that, even though two is awesome. And maybe Clemson is less likely to do that. So is that a weird way to say that for Ohio State, the team they wouldn't want to play in the whole is the number four seed, Oklahoma? Because I just think when we did a video about it after the game on Saturday night, I think they'd have a shot against Bama. You know, because yeah. what Bama does a lot of times is just out-talent people. But you see it with Georgia when you get decently equal talent, and this Ohio State roster isn't as talented as usual. And I don't it's think it's as, ta- it's as it's not as talented as Bama. It is, I think, you're it's talented enough. enough. And then Dwayne puts you over the shot, over the top. I think you'd have a shot. I think you'd have a shot. Kyler would wouldn't. Wouldn't you be scared to see Kyler Murray against this Ohio I State would, defense? Honestly, I would love to see Ohio State against every team but Oklahoma, <coughs> just because like. Ohio State can score, but, like, that's what the Big 12 teams are, like, built to do. And so it's like, Ohio State just scored. Okay, cool, we just scored two. Ohio State, okay, we just scored two. And I think eventually, unlike how it was against Maryland where Ohio State was able to keep up, Ohio State's going to get tired and tired and tired of having to score, 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 score. Meanwhile, that's what Big 12 teams do. And they got Kyler Murray, who can do, do it on, with his legs and with his arm. I have no idea how Ohio State would stop Kyler Murray. No. No idea. No. Oh, God, no. All right. Let's go with Chase Richardson at Chase KR19. Chase. Is this the most even Heisman race you can remember? As far as like the resume. No. Not necessarily like how they're favorited. Wasn't, what was the year? Wasn't like it, what was the year that Sam Bradford won? Wasn't there a year? 08? Like Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow. And Colt McCoy was like super close. It's weird. Here's the thing about the Heisman race is that it's not a race because they're not running. Well, it's not like because I, I feel like people can make up ground. As much as I said Dwayne Haskins was hurt by not having preseason hype, and I believe that. Also, Dwayne Haskins went from like maybe he'll finish third, I don't know, to like maybe he'll win it like in a day. That I don't think he's going to win it, but it's like you could absolutely make a case for Dwayne Haskins with your first place vote. And like before Saturday, there's no way nobody would have made that case. So you can pick up. It's not it's um, it's more like a, it's more like a shot put or a discus or a long jump. It's more like the long jump in that it's not cumulative. It's like you can just bust out one great jump and win the thing. Yeah, I think it's, okay, let's just put this in a racing term, literally where they're running on a track and they're running a marathon. Yes, he started sprinting, but, like, Tua, like, cramped up. He so, did. Like, yeah, and so he needed to stop and get some water. <coughs> or And then Kyler Murray, he just kind of stayed at his pace. Like, he didn't really run any faster or any slower. He just kind of stayed at his pace. So... One guy's cramping up, and so he's trying to find a, a, a leg roller and some water or an IV. He Jalen, literally, Jalen Hurts is like, just give me your race bit. Yeah, he, he, he literally headed the baton off. Like, yeah. He literally got hurt. That's what's crazy. He got hurt. And another guy started sprinting while the other guy just kind of stayed at his pace. So I think, yeah, you can bust out, but it also takes the guys who are ahead of you or next to you or behind you to also do some things to, like, Lessen their loosen their grip on it because let's be honest yeah. with you, coming into Saturday that was Tua's award. Yep, he wasn't playing well and he got hurt. Kyler Murray do, did Kyler Murray things. Haskins did Haskins things times two. All of that combined, now it's mm, 
Is Murray the Heisman winner, or is Tua the Heisman winner, or is Haskins the Heisman winner? Did you pull up the 2008 Heisman race? I did. The expert polls of it were Tim Tebow was like expected to finish first, Colt McCoy second, and Sam Bradford third. Now, obviously, that's not what happened because Bradford has a Heisman trophy at his house or his mother's house. Because it was like, because uh, because uh, Tebow already had one. Yeah, and then. I mean, it's been—it's one of those things. It's like, is this the closest thing ever? It's like, it's really close a lot. Like, yeah. sometimes it's super not close, it, and then sometimes, like, it is close. It so seems closer know. than normal just because of everything that's happened on Saturday, but, like, we've had some close ones. Yeah, I wish I could find the thing. Mark Ingram was close. That was a close yeah. one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're going to go into Saturday not knowing who's going to win, which I always think is exciting. It always makes it fun because then you can watch those videos in peace. Who do you think is going to win? Kyler Murray. I don't think <coughs> I think Haskins was amazing this year, and I think the the point is taken that like if he'd have had the hype all year, this was is his award to lose. But uh, Kyler Murray has been consistent. He's been like the one like consistent in this race all year, and you know, listen. Slow and steady wins the race. This is the 2008 Heisman voting. Right. I don't think it's going to be this close. So in first place votes, there were 925 electors that year. Sam Bradford got 300 first place. Colt McCoy got 266. And Tim Tebow got 309. Tim Tebow finished third and got the most first place votes. Overall point totals was Bradford 1726, Colt McCoy 1604, Tim Tebow 1575. That is a legit three-way race. Yeah. So I, I don't think that Dwayne, who I expect to finish third, will be as close of a third place as Tim Tebow was that year. But I do think the three of those guys will eat up most of the votes. And I think I, I do think Kyler's going to win. I think Kyler's going to win. I would not be surprised if Haskins finished second. I got to figure out who I'm going to vote for. Yeah, you do. Uh, it's due Monday at five. Yeah. All right. What else? What else? Okay. It's about 2.35. We're going to go in again and talk to Urban Meyer around 3. If we have to cut it short, we will. Um, we're waiting on the announcement of the bowls. But, again, the whole thing is they don't announce the other bowls until 3 o'clock. But we know the deal because, by definition, the Big Ten champ goes to the Rose Bowl if they're not in the playoff. Same with the Pac-12 champ. So it's Ohio State, Washington. And, again, to be clear, Washington uh, should not be allowed in the state of California. <laughs> they should make an all-star team of USC and UCLA players and let Chip Kelly coach it. You know what? Actually, you could bring in more. Ohio State versus... How about they the, just take the best, the all back 12 yeah, team and just all pack 12 team versus Ohio State. Who would win? They've are got we, a month to practice. Are we going to do that post at Cleveland.com in the next month? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. Okay, here we go. Campbell Sharps at Sharp Pisser slash sharp pisser is that what he said no it's a sharp e-s-e-r <laughs> pisser underscore image while i can't accept going to the rose bowl i'm not very satisfied slash excited about playing washington like doug here and steven as well i'm not really that excited to watch washington play football if you could pick any non-college football playoff team to play in a bowl game this season who would you have ohio state play and why georgia no doubt no doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly. Get, like, yeah. Can we get to that point, actually, where, like, the two teams, the first two teams out, like, play each other? Yeah. I mean, like, that would be so fun. I mean, it's, it, the Big Ten won't give up Jim Delaney in the Rose Bowl. They won't give up their association. Of course so that's not. That's why we don't get that. No, but that would be um, amazing. But there's a lot of, I mean, it's like, once you get in the bowl, you just care about the matchup. Like, I don't want, I don't want to see UCF because I don't care about UCF. Um, oh. I don't want to see Washington. I'm trying to think who else is even going to be in a decent bowl because there's going to be a couple Big Ten teams in there. Um, I mean, I think I, I think it's Georgia, and I don't even I don't even know who the next team would be. Maybe like West Virginia or Texas, actually. Like Texas sounds good, actually. Texas I'm Tom Herman against Urban Meyer. There'd be a lot of oh my god, there would be a lot of awkward uh, awkward confrontations there. I don't I don't know that Texas would compete with Ohio State very well. I think on the field, like who's going to win, who has the best players? Ohio State. I, but I mean, like I'd love if if that's what your definition of who you want to see him play. Yeah. I think it's Georgia, and there's not even a second place team. Georgia, Georgia, just based off of straight talent and ability. But if we're just going to go off storylines, I want either Georgia or Texas yeah. just because I would love to see Herman and 
Urban uh, together again. Awkward. Yeah. Alright, what else? Let's see here. Y'all really want to know about Haskins, and we do too. We're going to find out later. Okay. Uh, Derek Oswald at D underscore Oswald. <coughs> do you think it's important now to have a great season and not just a great game every now and then? And does a lack of concern by Urban <laughs> during the season and leading up to the playoffs hurt us on the recruiting front? As a fan, it's frustrating when coaches don't seem concerned. I feel like this is the wrong coach to ask if he's ever concerned. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the issue. All right, we're stopping and starting the phone a little bit here because like, we're trying to get ready for Urban Meyer to go in and everything. Um, I, I, I'm okay. My bottom line on the eight team is if you put in eight teams, a lot of years you're going to put in people that really shouldn't be there. And then you're adding like an extra game on these kids' bodies for like teams that just aren't going to win. So like right now, can we do this real quick? What, do we, we don't have the full rankings. So I'm going to imagine we know that... We know six. We know the, we know the, the six. six. And UCF would be in. And I think your next team would be Michigan. So if you're an eight-team proponent, you are putting Michigan in the playoff. And that is why I'm for six. That way, what is it? Clemson and Alabama would get a bye. Notre Dame would play Ohio State. And Oklahoma would play Georgia. No, no. Notre Dame would play Georgia. And Oklahoma would play Ohio State. No, you were right the first time because Notre Dame's the three. They would play Ohio State the six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would play the six, and Oklahoma and Georgia, and Georgia would play each other. And then the winner, the winner of Notre Dame and Ohio State would play Alabama, and the winner of Oklahoma and Georgia would play Clemson. And then the winner of that game would go to the national championship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like when you just, like you just the thing you just explained, I think like everybody would sign up for that right now because yeah. like the six teams that are in the mix, they're all in. There's no doubts. Call me it's committed. It's very easy, easy. But again, you can't you can't stru- try to structure the playoff to like how many teams deserve it that year. Because like there have been years where clearly there were four, and that was it. And like the year in 2015, Iowa was the number five team. They lost to Michigan State in the Big Ten championship, and it was mm-hmm. basically a playing game. To then have put Iowa in the playoff would have been insane. I think part of it I'm saying is is it's got to like in some way or form it's got to mirror the league that's like. This is like feeding into. I just feel like, and the pro league does it that way. So like, why do it? Like that's. I just feel like that's just how. Even the NCAA, no, it's not series, but it's still a tournament style where, you know, you win here, you win here, you win here, you win here, you end up in the final four, you end up in the national championship game. It's still the same concept. Baseball is the same concept as College World Series. Is literally the same concept as the MLB World Series is. I think it should it should be based off that concept, and so. The NFL does it that way. It's football no matter what. So I think that would be a perfect way to do it. It's not about – yeah, obviously there are probably three two, – two other teams who are probably deserving to get into the college football playoff. But I think in any year, six teams is a solid number to have. I mean, maybe. But, again, I, I'm not – I'm not against keeping out good teams because Georgia and Ohio State had their chances. They know exactly why they didn't make it. They had their chances. And so, honestly, teacher. honestly, I mean, it's not that – it's like okay, you're already putting in a team that kind of screwed up, right? But yeah. Oklahoma avenged their one loss, and, and their one loss was close, so maybe that's not screwing up. But there's no way Georgia should have lost by 20 to LSU. Like, we can't forget that. And Ohio State, there's no way they should have lost by, to, to Purdue by 29. So, See, and you're putting, like, names to it. I'm just, like, keeping it at but I'm Team just, X and Team Y. No, but I'm just saying the reality is a lot of years, if you go to six or eight, a lot of years you're going to be putting in teams that, you know what, that's fine that they're in, but it's not like a travesty if they'd be out. That's you, my whole point. You didn't believe in extra credit, did you? Well, you, you wouldn't no, give it out. of course I believe in extra credit. Well, now, if you, like, say you were a professor and, like, a kid came to you who had, like, a C yeah. for some extra credit, you'd probably like, you had your chance and you blew it. Oh, no, that's reasonable. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, no, that's, uh, no, uh, yes, I'm fine with that. I'm that teacher. Really? For sure. Oh, God. You had your chance. Why, why, why didn't you, why didn't you take it more seriously when you had your chance? Who said they didn't take it seriously, though? It's, you know, some I, people are just these students. I can't spend my life great <laughs> extra work because you didn't like how your test went. <laughs> you know, so what's to get paid to do, but, you know, I guess. All right, we're going to be back in a little bit after this urban stuff. Thanks for uh, listening. Um. We'll, we'll get a word from our sponsors and be back here with Buckeye Talk. All right, a quick reminder to our friends here at Buckeye Talk. You guys need to be shopping 
at shopohiostate.com for the holiday season. They will set you up. Maybe make a you make a gift list, right? You got a gift list? Go to shopohiostate.com, figure out what you want, and then tell your friends and family, get me stuff here. Right now, Rose Bowl stuff on sale at shopohiostate.com. Shop now. Looking at a t-shirt. A couple different t-shirts they have. Uh, four different t-shirts they have of a selection. Three scarlet, one black. So um, if you want Rose Bowl stuff, go ahead and get that now. If you want holiday stuff for yourself or for loved ones, get right now to shopohiostate.com for the best prices on the best Ohio State apparel. And also want to thank our friends at MinutemanTickets.com. Been a great year. Um, hope you guys have used them to get to Ohio State games, to get to concerts, to get to other sporting events you want to go to. I think you'd realize they are there are people who will take care of you. You can rely on them. They have a good selection of stuff at a fair price. And you can buy from MinutemanTickets.com without getting a knot in your stomach. They're local guys who have a national selection. So I hope by this point in the year, you have already made our ticket guys your ticket guys. And if you haven't, give them a chance now. That's another great gift. Tickets, experiences, life experiences make a great gift. You make memories. You don't clutter up your house. Give it a shot. Go check out MinutemanTickets.com. All right, thanks again to ShopOhioState.com and MinutemanTickets.com. We're back. We just talked with Urban Meyer, Draymond Jones, and Dwayne Haskins um, after the official announcement of the Rose Bowl, which we all knew about, um, but they've got to make it official. So um, a couple questions. We'll try to get to a couple more questions from you guys. Again, this is sort of like a post-game podcast, so we're not going to go as long as a, as a midweek one. We'll be back with a midweek podcast, you know, in the midweek, <laughs> and nothing's going to have changed, so we'll have time to get to everything you guys are wondering about. But, Stephen, there was a question, and it came up in there about Nick Bosa. Yeah, um, somebody – I once again, I apologize for forgetting who was asking these questions, but just know that we're going to answer it anyway. So somebody asked about the fact that how much of an impact did Nick Bosa have when he got injured initially, and so he's not playing, and then obviously leaving the team to focus more on getting ready for the NFL draft. So he's not around at all. And Urban Meyer just brought it up on his own, saying, point blank, period. That's a huge, like, missing piece of this puzzle. And we all knew that. We all know what the Bosa family has brought to Ohio State with both Joey and Nick and what Nick did for this offense. But that's the best football player in the country, and he's just no longer on your team. And Draymond Jones even said that, like, part of it is, you know, when you got a guy that good, it doesn't feel like you have to do nearly as much because he makes up for a lot of mistakes that this defense had. And maybe some mistakes that we, we wouldn't have seen and some issues we wouldn't have seen if Nick Bosa still been here racking up sack after sack after sack. But he leaves, and Draymond Jones said, when you have five leaders and all of a sudden you're down to four and you the leader you're missing is is the Michael Jackson of the leaders, You know, it, it changes some things and guys have to step up. And Draymond Jones has done a great job stepping up. Jay Shung has been amazing the last two weeks, especially in the Big Ten Championship. But they're all on the same accord of the fact that, Nick, you're missing an All-American defensive end who's going to be probably the number one pick in the NFL draft. And that really impacts your defense in a negative way. The thing I thought was really interesting of what Urban Meyer said was that it was he knew it was a big deal when Nick got hurt, but it was even more than he realized that everyone knows Nick Bose is a great player. But he said, like, that guy's your rock. That was like Mickey Marotti, the strength guy. That was his guy that – I, I, it was interesting to hear that Urban Meyer was sort of like surprised by, wow, when he really realized, wow, how much that took away from Ohio State. You know, the question is, and, and I do think there are parts of this that, you know, the idea that Ohio State had weeks where they didn't look great, that did factor in, I think, to the playoff stuff. But in, in the end, I, didn't, I don't know that you were going to get away from the 29-point Purdue loss. Or like, what does Nick Bosa do there? If you're trying to figure out what's the cost of Nick Bosa. Well, they won every game except one with Nick Bosa – would he have made you beat Purdue? Or would he have at least made it so that it was a 10-point loss instead of a 29-point loss? I, I, I don't know. I think the thing that has shown up the most is the idea of it feels like the secondary has been exposed at times this year. We've seen the pass interference calls. We've seen them get beat at times. We've seen these slants break for big plays. And I think a decent chunk of that is when you're, they're playing as much man coverage as they play. If you don't have a pass rush in a quarterback's face, you give that guy an extra half a second to find somebody, he's going to find them because it's harder to maintain that man coverage by yourself. Um, and if Nick Bosa's in a quarterback's face, then you don't have to cover for as long. And so I think the main 
the main group that was affected by this was was those corners who got left on islands for longer. And I think all the mis- you know the problems that we felt like they had at times. I think Nick Bosa would have wiped away some of their problems. Would Nick Bosa have meant that we're, that we're sitting here covering a playoff team right now? Like I just don't know because it felt like Purdue had a great plan and got rid of the ball quick, and Nick Bosa can't cover Rondale Moore, right? Like I, as much as yes, he's going to be a great pass rusher. The one thing about Nick Bosa that I think is true, and all those guys, their D line's so good. You can scheme around a great D line. A, you can have a good offensive line. I don't know that there's a lot of Big Ten teams that have that, but you can just get rid of the frickin' ball. And even if they get to you in a second and a half, which is super fast, if you get rid of the ball in 1.2, it doesn't matter. So I, I don't know if this team finished number six. I don't know that if Nick Bosa was here the whole year, they'd be number four. I think it's more based on the fact that's your best defensive player. And it really is. That's, I, mean, I think sure. that's part of it. I think I, 100% their pass rush is why is what makes the secondary so good. It's not like they have some lockdown corners who are just going to stick to their man and it's a no-fly zone situation. No, the pass rush is what creates a lot of those interceptions and a lot of those turnovers. And you took the best version of that. And that's not to say anything about Chase Young or Jamon Jones or anybody else on that defensive line. That's simply saying when you take what's probably the most important part of Ohio State's defense, which is just pass rush, and then you take away the best part, the best person of the best part of your defense away, I think that's where the impact comes. I'm not saying they wouldn't be a college football playoff team. They'd be undefeated right now. But I also don't think they would have lost 29 points to Purdue at the same time. All right, we're going to end it here. There's a lot of stuff going on. We've got to get on a conference call. Stuff is popping. We'll be back with the midweek podcast as usual. We'll ask for more questions. We'll get to some of the more questions we didn't get to today. Bottom line is uh, this team's going to be excited about the Rose Bowl. They're disappointed about not making the playoff. Everybody knows why they didn't make it. Um, we'll have a lot of coverage leading up in the next month at cleveland.com. Make sure you're listening to Buckeye Talks. Get subscribed. Stay subscribed. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com. We certainly appreciate it. So for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.